You're listening to a special joint broadcast between Rama, Blueprints, and Healthcare and Tool. As community podcasters, we need to build an audience of listeners and help each other promote our podcasts that share valuable information about healing and wellness. We explore the journey of how we both created our podcast and discuss the topics that we present. Healthcare Untold is a podcast dedicated to giving voice to the everyday heroes and their untold stories that can improve health to our most vulnerable community. We join host Barbara Garcia and producer and co-host Gerardo Sandoval with a special joint podcast of the Rama Blueprints and Healthcare Untold. Our guest today at Healthcare Untold is Rama Blueprint podcast co-hosts Socorro Gamboa and Darren J. De Leon. Welcome to Healthcare Untold. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for having us. We're so excited to have both of you on. You know, we as Latino, Latinx, Latina podcasters, we really wanted to bring other Latinx podcasters to talk to them and also to share the incredible tools of podcasting for our communities. It's a great way to communicate to our community messages that they probably don't hear from anywhere else. Well, thank you for having us and thank you for what you're doing in inspiration and motivation and getting that word out there through your podcast on Healthcare Untold. I want to thank you for this opportunity for us to to talk together about our work and what we're doing and our goals and our intentions as far as impacting community and getting information out there. Yeah, I want I also want to thank for Thank you for opening up your podcast to us. I think what's going to happen, I think we're going to share this with our audience too. So right. at some point, we're going to be interviewing you folks during the show here. Once again, I think it's really important that the, the Latinx podcasters really, at least at the minimum, get to know each other. And if they can share space and share time and dialogue, I think that's even greater. So I'm happy about this event happening today. Yeah, me too. And again, thanking Gerardo Sandoval for our backstage kind of work that he does. And also, he's also a co-host as well. And as you know, cross-promotion is really important for our listeners. It's a way for us to grow our podcasts. And it's a tool, I think, to encourage people to listen to more podcasts from Latinx podcasters. So we really appreciate you here today. So let's find out a little bit about your podcast and how you started. And tell us about the focus of your podcast. So we got started out of the pandemic. Darren and I have known each other for over 20 years. We met at RAP when I was the high school principal there. And I was the, the last executive director in a sense of the form of the organization known as the Real Alternatives Program. But we had a high school in there. And so that's kind of our history, how we worked together. I was his supervisor. I was the principal and he was one of the teachers. But not just any teacher. He was an extraordinary teacher. He taught English and literature, and he was also on the radio. So as the pandemic became viral, in a sense, and started going crazy with us and affecting so many people, <clears throat> obviously, I was home, and I began to isolate. Unfortunately, as, as a result of the pandemic and other illnesses, I, ha- I lost several friends, four friends. I started thinking in my head and started, all this stuff started coming. And I started thinking about the work at RAP, all the communication, all the relationships, all the history, the people I had met. And I had talked to Darren on occasion. We had driven up to San Francisco. One of our former students passed away. We started getting connected and started talking about how we could bring people together. Yeah. I want to take a step back 
Rama Blueprints podcast is telling the story of a San Francisco nonprofit called Real Alternative oh, Programs that was founded in 1969, but it unfortunately closed its doors in the year 2000. So through those 31 years or so, they created a youth movement and they did leadership development inside San Francisco's Mission District that was so incredible and transformational to not only the individuals, but it actually transformed the Mission District, their community, also themselves, and then eventually the whole city. So what we're doing is that we are now telling this story about how RAP, Real Alternative Programs, has developed. And like Sokoto was saying, I was a teacher and she was running the school. And so at some point we wanted to have a family reunion and we wound up having these on Zoom. And it was interesting because these people who were staff members for, for years who hadn't came back together for about 20 years or so, they made their way back together through the Zoom meetings. And so we had like seven rap familia Zoom meetings is what we called them. And every generation of rap came together. It's just really interesting how the word got out and people were like, I want to go. How come I don't have the link? I want to, I want to connect. And Darren's absolutely right. People that hadn't spoken in almost 20 years were now speaking to each other. Our tagline is to listen is to heal. And we started witnessing a healing in a lot of ways of what was going on. There had been people that had kind of just disconnected and some ill feelings. And some people made their way through Zoom and eventually connected once again. The way we worked, it was it was like a familia. I mean, it was so we were so tied together. We worked unselfishly, worked tirelessly. People worked a lot. And there was a core of people that worked together for a lot of years. And so we do the Zoom meetings and Darren's his genius mind. And he starts going, you know, we could probably do something like a, like a podcast. He already had experience. He'd been he'd been on the radio and I had no clue. I was just like, OK, sure. Yeah, I don't I don't mind. I like to talk. So let's just do this. And so we started with interviews and we started to interview some of the more older, the elder generation, the folks that had paved the way. And we started hearing all these stories, all this stuff that started coming out. There are five organizations that were like the anchor organizations in the mission. What we dubbed as the five sisters, um, both Darren and I are gardeners. And we started talking about how could we bring them together through this concept of gardening that we both are participating. Yeah. As we had been gardening and talking about gardening and that metaphor of the garden, we were following one of the indigenous uh, planting practices of the three sisters which is corn, squash, and beans. And those not only provide the minerals for you to live, but they all have a symbiotic relationship to each other and they help each other grow. And so when we looked at the anchor organizations in San Francisco, we had identified five of them. And we know that there's a lot, lot more, but these five pivotal ones worked in conjunction with rep doing a lot of the youth advocacy and violence prevention work that needed to get done providing court advocacy and services for those individuals that most people ignore, that they don't want them in their services, that they don't want them in their classroom, that they don't want them in their presence because they feel that they are dangerous kids and they don't understand them. Luis Rodriguez refers to them as the throwaway kids. 
the ways that the throwaway society that they just wish that they're put into prisons and incarcerated for the rest of their life and not have to worry or deal with them. Fortunately, we see the value in those young minds. And the only thing that they're rebelling is they're rebelling to a failed system that is unable to develop them in their interest and to be a productive citizen inside their lives. But at RAP, we saw those. If a kid was caught up in some type of a drama, we could not only help them, but once we get to know them, we can find what their strengths were and gear them toward a more positive life, like within the community. And there's such a beauty of that because rap represents such an incredible story. And what I found through this podcast and talking to other people around the country is that is so true for many of our Latino next communities, that these types of organizations, the self-Indigenous organizations, mm. bring about social change in their communities. And that's really one of the reasons we really want to tell those untold stories. But with the beauty that you're doing, you're really going deep into that to see what happened and how did it happen. And I think it's going to be great understanding and also some examples of what our future leaders can look to. This is the new technology of oral histories that you're doing. And so I really honor that. And I think it's a beautiful project for you to do. One thing I wanted to mention is that the other motivator is about the lessons learned, right? As you mentioned, there's a new generation of Latino Latinx leaders in San Francisco, all over the country. And you can learn a lot from when they chained the doors at, at juvenile hall to what's happening now of the closures of all the juvenile halls, all the youth centers, detention centers, in particular, California. We're bringing those parallels, like what happened 30 years ago, what's happening now, Has are things changed? It's really, really important. There's the new generation of leaders. I have to say, honestly, yes, you know, I can call myself an elder, a person that's been doing community work for quite a number of years. Some folks... They get it handed to them. They don't know what to do with it, right? They don't understand the history. They don't understand the struggle. And so part of what this podcast does is it talks about the struggle to get to where we're at now. Not that it's perfect, not that we've all got it all there already, but at least it can help people give an understanding, like what are some of those lessons? What are some of those errors you don't want to make that we made, that folks made? And how do we really move towards a unified Latinx community, Chicano, Latino community, BIPOC community? I just want to say this really quick. The originators of RAP, which was a group called Emuño, was a BIPOC group. It was Black, Latino, Samoan, Filipino, Japones, Coreanos. It was a group of people working together. That's what it was. They all lived in the mission, and all of them have said this. We all just loved each other, and we respected each other. It didn't matter where we were from, what we looked like. And so somehow... We want to bring that energy out through the podcast and share that with people. To people say, hey, at one point, there was things were being done out of love and but also also done out of, you know, fighting for what is rightfully ours. How did you guys get started? Well, I just wanted to comment on okay. that because coming from the Long Beach, L.A. area when I was young, there was an interchange between San Francisco young kids and ourselves mm -hmm. and the San Francisco kids came down. And one of the striking things for me was the fact that many of them were biracial. And being raised in a 
very segregated community between African-American and Chicanos. In my neighborhood, we integrated, but it was very segregated at the same time. Mm -hmm. That was the beauty that I saw in San Francisco was that BIPOC unity with young people and kind of the leadership also embracing that. And that's not true for all of our movements in the terms of how we were having to develop. So I think San Francisco was ahead of its time in that way. (laughs) So I started the podcast in the aspect of having over 30 years in healthcare and just meeting, working with people who were so incredible in healthcare and working on developing a farmworker clinic in Watsonville, which is called Salud para la Gente. And it's still a big organization. We started in a Apple Shed with a doctor who really wanted to do some free care. And I was organizing food security programs and we invited them in and we started a free clinic for farm workers. And that became a real movement. And so many people like Dr. Michael Alcalay, who kind of gave his life to those kinds of movements, I really wanted to capture their stories. And so approaching Gerardo about how do we do this technically, I knew I wanted to do a podcast. I just didn't know how to do it. And so Gerardo really helped me in that engagement. And then finding more and more and more people with so many common threads that people coming together can really make a difference in their communities. Yeah, it was not a coincidence. I think it was meant to be, you know, having my first experience in uh, the Watsonville community as a college kid and going and working for Salud para la Gente and Barbara, I think that instilled in me a need to continue to pay attention to our community. And so when Barbara approached me about this idea with Healthcare Untold, it was very automatic. It was something that, again, was instilled in me from back then and understanding that our community needs us. Earlier, Socorro mentioned our podcast and our community. And I think that's what struck me from the beginning when we were working back then and we're doing now is that in order for us to continue to support our community, we need to tell these stories. And what you guys are doing, Socorro and Darren, that's exactly what it is. We're telling these stories. And that's what's amazing about, you know, the power of the mic, the power of distribution and the need for us to continue to produce and be out there with and about our community. What I find, Socorro and Darren, is that so many of our leaders, they may have a lot of public work that they do, but they're so scared to tell their stories. I'm not sure if you find that as well, but they're kind of challenged by the technology of Mm -hmm. what we're doing. And once they start of course, telling the story. It's a beautiful one, of course. Yesterday, I was doing a podcast with a woman who spent 40 years doing jail health and doing homeless health. And no one had asked her story. No one had ever asked about her story. I I think we have found that in some of the elders that we have, you know, spoken with. And then we've also, from interviewing them, we have found stuff about them about who they are as a persona, right? Who they are, what drives them, or finding out that at 16, they were involved in some negative street stuff. And then you see them and you go, oh my God, that's so-and-so. And then they reveal that. Or maybe even taking care of their parents at 14. We have a couple of brothers that have worked in the mission district that became instant parents to their mom with a fire, their whole house burned down. 
I think it was on Shotwell. And then what drove them to becoming those human beings and caring and compassion. It's so interesting, for, at least for Darren and I, to have these conversations and then you hear the story. And then we say, oh my God, we, we've got to talk about that part, that side of so-and-so. So-and-so has this image and that's what people think, but we need to kind of open that up. So people start to see the humanity in these individuals. It's been an interesting journey because the other part of this story is to talk about the worker, the frontline workers. My own background, a lot of it came out of doing street outreach work. I was working directly on the street with a lot of, as they say, hitters and quitters and you know, you name it. I was working with the homies for a long time. And I'm considered a square. I don't come from that life. But we want to tell that story too of the frontline worker, the outreach worker, the student that's getting her LCSW, that person, because they're on the front lines. And a lot of times, often you recognize the executive directors, the community leaders, but then there's Fulano over there who works 40, 60 hours a week trying to get that kid to go to his probation meeting because of this and this and that, and what that energy takes. And so part of the Rama Blueprints podcast is to talk about that community worker, to share that story of what are some of the challenges to living this life and saying, yeah, I work in the community, but what about their own challenges to keep them, their mental health situation? How does that keep them going? The issues of countertransference, the issues of PTSD. I could go down the list. If I carry this trauma, you know, if I was self-analyzed myself from all the work I did, you know, I'd go, well, yeah. I'm walking vicarious trauma sometimes because I sometimes I get re-triggered. I think that not only is it about telling this beautiful story and the history of activism in the Mission District and community and its impact citywide nationally too, because rap it had its fingers everywhere. It has tentacles everywhere. It's also about what it takes to do that. What kind of commitment does it take? You know, there was a commercial about Lay's potato chips. You just can't have one back in the day. And Ray Balboron used to always say, you know, doing community work is like eating Lay's potato chips. Once you have one, you can't stop. And we'd be like, oh, it's kind of weird, the analogy, but he would say that to us. Doing work in the community can be super great and rewarding, but it also can be really, really hard on the individual. We're exploring that. We have some interviews of some frontline workers, some community workers, Folks that have gone through some pretty serious, you know, challenges as a result of it. Yeah, you know, that's so interesting, Socorro, because one of the things that I found is that many of the executive directors of our programs mm -hmm. were the frontline workers. And so they have that in heart, how they treat their employees and what they're doing. And so I think that's a really important part of sending that traditional role of leadership right. development in organizations. That's one of the many important facets of uh, Latinx, Latino, Chicano organizations right. is understanding that their leadership was there in that front line. I was also a frontline worker and did some of the same work that you're talking about, Socorro, and with trying to do gang prevention work. And that was doing murals and doing educational pieces and trying to understand what that dynamic of the potential violence was going to be around me. What I learned, because I went through a little bit of different kind of trauma, which was an earthquake of 1889, which was centered in downtown Watsonville, and then also two floods, that was the Pajaro River. I learned primarily from that system of the Red Cross that 
self-care of that worker. It's so important. And that I try to embed that in the work that I do. In fact, last night I had a conversation with a colleague and she says, well, one of the things you taught me was to take care of myself. And I think that's a real important message for us to give to our leaders, that it's okay to take care of yourself. It's okay to take that short vacation because in the long term, you're going to be better at the work that you do. That's an important point you make. I think of the five executive directors currently that we're focusing on in the community. All of them came out of being frontline workers and that generational education that you know, motivating people to do that is so critical. I was just thinking about people at Instituto and just all the people that have come out of that. One of the episodes will be to focus on the new generation of leaders and sort of their stories and how they kind of came up through the ranks, per se. That's a very important point. Thank you for mentioning that. I want to add on to that about frontline workers, because that is one of the specific target profiles that we are aiming toward. One of the things that we found out just in our research is that with every new generation of frontline workers and people who are extending themselves out into a career and doing community service work, that we find out that some come from the outside, of outside the Bay Area and starting their careers here. And they don't have an understanding of the, all that social services and the history of it and how they work together collectively inside the mission. So as a result, we have folks who are working in silos. But what we're talking about in, in our stories too is about how those opportunities for training for frontline workers, how did that come about? And it all started with a community organizer, community member by the name of Jim Queen, who was a merchant Marine. And he just liked helping to develop a community. And when he was approached with these young people, that first marked the creation of Emonio, but it also marked a very important developmental stage inside that community where support programs were going to happen. And the one line that he would always tell his young leaders that he was helping develop was that those people with degrees or those people who are professionals or those people who are older than you, they don't have the skills that you have. Some things you are an expert in some things that they are not. And so he was able to get the best out of those folks in the name of creating a type of lifestyle, the environment that's going to be safe and helpful to their family and beneficial to themselves and to the community. And that's the story that we're telling also too. I have a question. What is the primary teaching that you'd like for your target audience to gain from the podcast? What are the reactions you're looking for? What are some of those objectives? I strongly believe that the more we produce, the more we're out there. And so I think that that's what's important. As Latinos, as Latinx, as BIPOC, the more we produce, the more we're out there. And I think that's the primary message I personally have and mission, I suppose, is so that we together can help each other by making sure that our story is out there. So production for me is important, the key to getting our word out, to getting our message out, to getting our story out. And within that, there's a lot of need for us to understand where are we coming from and who we are. Yeah, I guess I really want to push the issue of innovation and invention. 
And my father was an inventor. And I would see him take a blank piece of paper, and he was a shipyard worker. And he designed some hooks for the painters of the big ships so they wouldn't fall off the scaffolding. And he was so proud of his work, and so was the Navy. They gave him a little certificate and a $500 little bonus, but he saved probably hundreds of thousands of people. And so that blank piece of paper of being able to invent innovate ideas and also bring people along with you in solving some of our world's problems, that we can do that together. Our stories prove that over and over again, that people coming together can really support and help people in the, in the most suffering they, they may have. I'd like to ask a question, and it's regarding the topics that you choose to present and discuss on there. Your podcast is called Healthcare Untold. And so we we're assuming that everything is going to be about healthcare. And I don't know if it's the physical or what aspects when you're looking at healthcare are you folks trying to address? Well, that's a great question because healthcare, as I've learned in the public health field, is the social determinants of health. It can go everywhere from where you live, how you live. They say that your zip code will tell what your health status is. And it has more to do with poverty, social justice. When we look at healthcare, we're looking at the entire social determinants of health. I'm working on a project right now of how do you bring health, financial security, and housing as kind of the ingredients for this COVID recovery. So, you know, recovering from COVID is not just recovering from that disease. We have to change the fabric of our communities to improve health status, to ensure that people have the ability to isolate when they get sick, that they have a healthy home, that they have food. And so it is that broad spectrum. And that's why it's called Healthcare Untold, the untold stories of what really healthcare is. You, you mentioned zip codes, right? You know, right away it triggered that thought. It's like, oh, I guess I do live in the ghetto. <laughs> <laughs> you know, yeah. and it's so telling about just because of your zip code, you're already like pigeonholed. And so that tells data analysts whoever's determining who you are because of that in regards to your health. But it also has to do with your financial health, right? And so we talk a lot about other health factors that impact our physical health. It is emotional. It is financial. It, it is your status quo. All that impacts your health. By the way, these are my first prescription eye glasses. And so when I first went to get examined, I didn't realize how important eye health is. And again, you know, it's so fascinating to realize how many people don't have access to a pair of glasses or to an exam and how important it is, how vital it is for their health and for their survival. Being in the zip code that I am, it is impacting people. So that's where healthcare and told is. You know, it's a little bit of all these factors that impact our overall health as humans. There's a startling data point that came out of uh, JAMA, which is the Journal of Medical Association. And it says that during 2019 to 2021, that the Latino life expectancy shrunk by six years from 82 to 76. And we're not talking about it. 
what does that mean? Mm-hmm. What does it mean for you to not live to 82, but to die at 76 mm-hmm. for your families, for the wealth of the community? Because, you know, our community works till they're mm-hmm. very old. So I do think that these untold stories are so important for our communities to learn from, but also to take action about. You know, a really good point, and I'm just going to touch real quickly on the health uh, perspective because I'm a cancer survivor and I'm 20 years, 21 years into my cancer being gone. And when I worked in the community, I had no concept of self-care. It it was like work, 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 socorro, socorro, socorro. You know, my name socorro means to ayudar, to help, right? I didn't learn that until I went to a... um, a restorative justice workshop about 10 years ago. And I was doing some sort of training with some folks. We had to talk about our name. And I literally lived it, lived my work and ate, breathed community work. And when I think about your podcast and I think what's important, like finding out about your eyes, right? Head out of the, like, I have been wearing those cheapy, deepy readers mm-hmm. because I was like, I, I don't need glasses. But I finally went to the doctor and there are my first prescription reading glasses, I think three years ago. And I started realizing, oh my God. And when I'm in those doctor's offices, I see people like, oh, well, you know, haggling like, oh, I can't afford it or this or that. And it's really, really sad to see that. But it's also so important for our community to take care of itself, right? To take care of oneself, mind, body, and spirit. And in particular, your physical health. I can talk about my tia Guadalupe who lived to be 102 and she ate 10 corn tortillas, a glass of meal, pan dulce. Her ritual was like the most high carb diet I had ever seen in my life. Somehow there was other factors involved was taking a little walk, being outside, sitting in the solecito, listening to the birds. There was other type of medicina. And one of the things that we explored in episode one was that medicina of the altar of how we grieve, how we practice a lot of those sacred traditions. I see our podcast as also providing those kind of avenues to seeking your ancestral ways because it does help you heal in a lot of ways. And so for me personally, where I'm at now, and compared to how I was when I was like working my butt off all the time, I know now to take those times to self-care. So as we're doing these interviews with these frontline workers, we're exploring that. How do you self-care? What are some of the practices you're using right now? In episode three, when we talked about the Uvalde episode in that round table, each one of those persons was just so moved, just triggered with that experience of Uvalde and everything that happened there. But each one of them also had a remedio, a remedy on how to take care of themselves. And I think that's kind of the interesting thing about the podcast we're producing, Rama Blueprints, is that we can delve into that and get experience from that and share that message with folks. I have a question. How do you envision your show's responsibility to the community? Yeah, I think that sharing people's stories, the importance of the Latinx, Latino, Chicana, Chicano communities, allowing them to share their stories to a bigger audience of their failures, of their successes. And then what I found in I think you're touching on this greatly is people coming together to create these incredible organizations and that 
development of the organization and intermingled with what a familia is, but then trying to keep the business alive, I think are kind of the responsibilities that we see of telling the true stories of what's really going on in our community with hope and love. One of the responsibilities for community that we have is that since I'm trained in radio and also a little bit in production and stuff, I think the responsibility is, is for me to share my skills to help further the development of a community. Now that I partnered with Socorro specifically because she had that professional experience and working within this organization. And so what we've decided, and it's fine with me, is that we tell these stories of how youth leadership development occurred and then give them these examples of lessons learned or blueprints, which is why it's in the title of how to develop leadership that's going to have an impact on your community. So our responsibility definitely is to tell the story of San Francisco Mission District and how it has effectively controlled the destiny of their own neighborhood. And if there are communities out there that have no idea of what that type of self-determination feels like, or they get hit with issues that they're unable to handle, I'll just give you a quick example. Back when gentrification occurred here in San Francisco and a lot of folks were forced to leave the city, a lot of them wound up in Santa Rosa. And unfortunately, they started experiencing youth community violence in Santa Rosa, and they had no idea how to deal with it because a lot of those kids were coming from Oakland or coming from San Francisco, and these little beefs were being carried out over there. So what we provide is a history and an understanding of how San Francisco developed their responses to that. And hopefully those communities can start addressing it and hopefully they'll get in touch with us so we can actually start helping them address it by creating these networks of dialogues, of experiences with other communities outside of California, outside of the Bay Area, but also the multicultural aspect that, that we have. We're following a multicultural, multi-generational movement that still pretty much exists, but the organization itself, which started as a movement, no longer exists. Yeah, I just want to add that in particular, we're partnering with uh, the Polynesian community. And when we talk about responsibility to community, I learned something at RAP many years ago, 20 plus years ago, and said, I'm not responsible for you, I'm responsible to you. And so in particular, we are partnering with the Pacific Islander Resource Hut, and we've been asked to help train them in producing a podcast so they can tell their story, can come from their perspective, so they can put their twist on it. I see that as a responsibility for all of us that are here, the four of us, that we're asked how did you guys go about doing this? How do we reflect that more? I'm currently mentoring a, a young woman here and we talk all the time. She has her own podcast and we're just talking about themes and talking about, well, I want to talk about young woman stuff. And she says, I just want other people to know what we go through. And so I see that as a responsibility to when we are asked that we humbly participate. Sure, we should also be given our respect and resources and honored for that work. But I think that, like you said, Gerardo, the more that it gets out to the masses, then the more individuals are represented, the more people hear about it. 
And and they can also say, well, look, man, these four people are doing this, this people are doing that, but I want to get the story out there. Well, this conversation will continue. We're so happy to have Rama Blueprints podcast with us. Socorro Gamboa, Darren J. De Leon, gracias for your time today. I want to thank you, Barbara oh. and Gerardo, and thank Healthcare Untold podcast for your work, for your esfuerzo, for your motivation and inspiration, and continue to do the good work you're doing. Gracias. Gracias to all of you. Thank you. These may be challenging times, but have hope and listen to the untold health stories about incredible people who have committed their lives to better their communities. Diverse health activists, direct medical providers, community organizers that are helping our communities to get healthier and stronger. Stories of local heroes during the pandemic and even before that proves over and over again that people can come together during times of need and make the world a better place. Stories you would never hear of, except at Healthcare Untold, hosted by Barbara Ann Garcia. Thank you for listening to the Rama Blueprints podcast. The Five Sisters Audio Garden would like to say thank you to Healthcare Untold, Barbara Ann Garcia and Geraldo Sandoval, and acknowledge the following for their support. Got SNSF, Instituto Familiar de la Raza, Change Elemental, the Pacific Islanders Resource Hut, the San Francisco Foundation, our brother, rest in power, Mitchell Salazar, and the many individual supporters who have graciously donated to our production. You can become part of our family by donating and visiting godessensf.org. This episode was produced by Geraldo Sandoval and edited by Darren J. DeLeon and Socorro Gamboa. If you like our show, subscribe and give it a rating on Apple Podcasts. Share it with two people. Spread the word and remember, to listen is to heal. All power to the people. Aho. Oh.